This is New York's Asset Protection Roundtable with Ted Alatsis of Alatsis Law Firm. Our mission at Alatsis Law Firm is to assist you with the three pillars of protection, preserving your assets, providing you help, and protecting your future. Welcome into New York's Asset Protection Roundtable, three pillars of protection program. I'm Ben George. He's Ted Alatsis, attorney and counselor at law at the Alatsis Law Firm in Brooklyn, New York. Got a good show for you today. We're going to open up the mailbag. Find out what you're, what's on your mind, what questions you might have for Ted on the show, which we can always take online at alatsislawfirm.com if you have them for us, so send them in. Ted, how you doing today? Doing great, Ben. I'm uh, looking forward to the mailbag today. I am too, and uh, we're approaching the new year. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it's probably going to be 2023 already. So uh, the obvious question that always pops up this time of year, do you have any resolutions? How do you feel about resolutions? Is it something you do? So, um, like everyone, I, I fall through the, I, I fall into the trap of doing a new year's resolution and it always seems to be the same one, lose some weight, um, you know, make more money, right. There's all, they always seem to be the same ones, but at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, I think the re- resolution I'm going to make for myself this year is to be more present in what I do, uh, on a personal level, you know, devote you know, more attention to trying to just kind of wind down on the off days and kind of, you know, enjoy my family and enjoy you know, the people I love, you know, in a better way. Uh, that's probably yeah. my resolution for uh, 2023. Yeah, I think that's a good way to approach it. And, uh, you know, obviously one that we all kind of have in life is just to be more, I guess, more present with uh, the people around us and, and be able to disconnect and and uh, have that balance that we all kind of search for. So hopefully it, it, it works out for you this year, Ted. Hopefully you are trying to take steps in that direction. And 2023 is productive for you and anyone listening. Hopefully this will be uh, your best year yet, and uh, we hope so. But on this show, we're going to dive into the mailbag a little bit here in just a second. But I want to start things off with our legalese of the day. We like to do this from show to show and uh, to really just throw out a term or uh, something you might hear when you're going through the estate planning process that maybe need a little more clarity on or don't fully understand. Today, we're going to do life estate. I, I know about uh, life insurance, estate planning, but I don't think I've ever heard the two together, life estate. Yeah. So a life estate is a, is a term that's used essentially to describe when someone who owns real property reserves for themselves the right to live on that real property after having given the property away to somebody. So essentially that person is, is we, we call that person a life tenant. Uh, and that person just enjoys all the, the rights of occupancy or possession of that space without the obligations of ownership. Uh, there are, you know, certain obligations that that person does assume typically, you know, the real estate taxes and, you know, carrying charges of the home while they're living there. But um, the idea is that they've already uh, disowned themselves of the property and given it away. And it's, it's a commonly used estate planning tool in some, in some areas, a low cost way of, of, um, taking care of a piece of real property, but not necessarily the best way. Okay. Interesting. I'd never really, I'd not personally heard that one. I'm sure other people have, but that's why we do this on the show to help uh, educate you. And uh, so today, life estate, the legalese of the day. So, all right, Ted, thanks for explaining that one to us. Let's dive into the mailbag. Um, Let's begin with the question from Jace here. I'm the executor of my father's will. The probate case is taking a long time. The inheritance was supposed to go in equal shares to my brother and me. However, my brother just died after my father. I was supposed to give him an inheritance since he outlived my father, but now he's gone. What should I do? Oh, that's a that's a great question, Jason. And it happens more often than not, especially when you know probate takes a long time. And that's one of the risks and downfalls of 
of probate is is the duration that it can take. Um, so in, in a scenario like this, uh, you know what uh, you're going to have to do is find out first if he had if if he had a will, right? Because uh, if your brother had a will, then you know his beneficiaries uh, in that will would likely be the persons who would receive whatever inheritance uh, your brother was going to receive. If he didn't have a will, then he died intestate, in which case his uh, estate would have to be administered and that would go through a similar process. In administration, in an administration proceeding, you know, the, the hierarchy of who gets what is determined by statute. And that depends on whether he was married, had children, um, you know, things, things of that nature. So, so it, it, at the end of the day, um, Jace, your, your brother's estate is going to have to be either probated or administered before his his share can be divided um, accordingly. So in that situation, Ted, is the, the wishes of the father, once he passes, that money is officially the brother's equally or however it's split up, even though that hasn't been settled out of probate, is still his money officially? Correct. Okay. Correct. If he was alive the day that his father passed away, then... It's, it's as if it had been already uh, set up for him. And so now it's considered part of his estate. So the the brother, the surviving brother could end up just in probate for a long time then here trying to get everything settled between his father and then his brother, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, depending on whether, you know, he had a will or he didn't, it, it, it could get even more complicated than that. So, yes, absolutely. So again, probate, that's why we talk about trusts um, and, and going through this process to get everything lined up so that uh, you don't have to deal with the probate process, which, as you can see, can create additional issues for you and your family. So, uh, Jace, thanks for that question. Uh, best of luck to you and uh, sorry for, for both of your losses there. All right. Uh, Lena's next. She says, all my children live out of state. I don't have any other family members who are nearby. So is it okay to name someone who lives far away as my financial power of attorney or healthcare power of attorney? Ah, uh, Lena, that's a, that's a great question. And, and we run into this all the time. So the question that you're asking is if it's okay. If it's okay. Of course, it's okay um, if that is your only option. However, it's not necessarily the best option, right? Because at the end of the day, having a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy really uh, doesn't have any value if the persons can't act because they're far enough away or they're you know not not necessarily involved in your in your life to the extent that um, they may need to in order to make appropriate decisions. So um, I, I certainly think it would be advisable to have someone who's more local to you uh, be that person who can either liaise with the, the family members you want to pick or actually act in that capacity that you want them to. To act, um, it, it is a difficult thing to do, but you know certainly you know, I think it would be more advisable to have someone in that role who's nearby. So that's best case to have someone nearby, um, Anna. So thanks for that, but you can make it work if you have to, long distance. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, of course. You know, certainly. I mean, especially in this modern age, it you know it's uh, um, you know certainly easier than it would have been, say, maybe twenty five years ago. Um, you know, but. Um, you know, it, it's still harder than if there's someone nearby who's you know here day to day who can handle that. For you. Can any of these things that uh, find, uh any of the power of attorneys would have to uh, execute are any of those things done virtually now, Ted? If, if anything changed in that regard, or do you have to always be in person? Well, the, the signing requirements for an agent who's uh, not in the state is the same as signing if they were acting in their own individual capacity. So it still depends on the type of uh, documents and the requirements that go into the documents that need to be signed. So 
if, uh, for example, it's a document that doesn't need to necessarily be notarized or something like that, then certainly an agent, whether they're in New York State or not, can certainly execute that document. But, you know, if it requires notarization, if it requires, you know, attestations, things of that nature, you know, it could get more complicated when, when that's the case. Okay, gotcha. All right, one last question here for you that we got in from Bruce, who says, my wife and I are trying to pick guardians for our children. Right now, we trust our own parents, the grandparents for our children, more than anyone else. However, by the time the kids turn 18, our parents will be in their 70s and 80s. Should we pick guardians that are great for right now, or should we pick ones who are younger, but maybe not as trustworthy as our own parents? Well, that is a great question. And frankly, Bruce, it's a hard it's a hard one to answer because, you know, selecting a guardian for minor children is a very personal decision. And that guardian, you know, should match the values and the standards for care that you would envision for your children if you were alive. Um, And so, you know, while I understand the the question and the concern you may have as the age of your parents you know, being, you know, where, when they reach, when the kids reach the age of 18, you know, it, it certainly makes sense that you would want to, you know, trust that they'd be around to do that. It's a hard one. I mean, oftentimes, you know, you want to find someone who's more of age uh, with you, um, who could relate to your children, but they're not necessarily involved in the children's lives. It's a tough one. I, I, I think each case has to be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. One of the good things is you can always change your guardianship designation. So if you see that your parents are getting to a point physically and uh, mentally that they can't necessarily handle the obligation, then maybe at that point uh, you could you can make some modifications to that delegation. But I think age is less of a concern and the relationship is more of a concern. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the changing aspect of it because to me it, sound, it seems like you would pick whoever's best for you right now. And then if you need to reevaluate, like a lot like a lot of things you do with your estate plan, right? You need to update and assess as life changes. It's just one of those things that you would change as well. But absolutely. Some, some yeah, definitely- absolutely. It's one of those things that, you know, it, it, it should reflect your current, you know, desires. Um, as you get older, then if those desires change, then, you know, the appointment should change. Right. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. But that's a great question, Bruce. And, uh, and one that, it does pre- present some some level of thought. So we, we do appreciate you sending that in. And same with Lana and Jace. We do appreciate your questions as well. If you have questions for Ted or anybody at Alatsis Law Firm, you can log on. com is the website for the office there in Brooklyn, New York. And you can call as well, 718-233-2903. Love to hear from you. And uh, if you do enjoy the show, please hit subscribe on it as well and, and share it with someone else that maybe is thinking about building their estate plan or going through that process and just wants to learn a little bit more about uh, the ins and outs and uh, some of the things that uh, might determine their decisions down the road. So we appreciate you listening. And Ted, as always, we appreciate your insight. Thank you very much, Ben, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to New York's Asset Protection Roundtable, a three pillars of protection program. For Ted Alatsis at the Alatsis Law Firm in Brooklyn, New York, I am Ben George. Take care. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.